the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by Danny Perez and Anthony Florentino. This is episode 60 featuring Akash Modi. Akash is a former gymnast at Stanford University from Morganville, New Jersey, and Olympic hopeful. Also, Taco Bell, if you're listening, Akash is a huge fan, so if you could sponsor him, that'd be greatly appreciated. You won't regret it. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD, Inc. Daily Dose CBD, Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose meets an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Yeah, we can get into it though. Um, Akash, thank you for coming on and taking the time to talk to talk to me and um, share your story on this platform. Really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited for this. Yeah, no, likewise. Um, if you could please give uh, everybody an introduction on who you are and the sport you compete in. Sure. Uh, so I'm Akash Modi. I am 26 years old. I was a uh, Stanford student athlete, did gymnastics um, from 2013 to 2017. Um, and since then, I've just I've still been training at Stanford, not competing for the team because my eligibility is up. Um, and competing towards making the Olympic team and, you know, pushing that national team track on the gymnastics side. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I was so quick background for everyone listening. My cousin, Evan coached Akash, um, growing up, correct. Um, throughout your young gymnastics career. Uh, no, actually. Okay. I didn't know him until this past summer when, uh, up, um, training at the gym that he was coaching. Okay. At. Gotcha. So okay. He, gotcha. Uh, me over the summer okay gotcha so it was this summer then only that he was training with you yeah yeah yeah. okay gotcha awesome well yeah he um told me a lot about you and he kind of gave me a few of your accolades that i think are pretty impressive that i'll uh like to throw out for everyone (laughs) to listen to it that you're a five-time all-american two-time olympic alternate ncaa champion all-around parallel bars pommel horse vault and high bar um and you just recently competed in the u.s championships if you tell everybody how you did there yeah, so one uh, correction there. It's five-time national champion, the five that you listed. Five-time All-American. Okay. 17-time All-American, actually. Jeez, really? 17-time All-American. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got, yeah, I got a few of those in my career. Yeah, yeah that's unreal. 17. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I just competed in Fort Worth, Texas this past weekend at the at the national championships, which is like the – prelude to the olympic trials sixth in the all around there um which was pretty good you know i i was hoping to push a little more into like the top three um but i'm I'm pretty happy with with my performance you know i had no major mistakes um just a lot of smaller issues here and there that are easily fixable Mm -hmm. and it's really close between second place and sixth place so just a few of those uh 
a little little errors, just clean it up, and just and I can push up into the top three. Yeah, well, that's um, it's exciting, and I mean, it's two weeks now of training before you get into the the trials, correct? Yeah, two so weeks of training here at Stanford, and then we head out. Do you find that's enough time for you to kind of prepare and clean up those you know those little things beforehand? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, okay. all, all the like major work has already been put in. Uh, you know, the, in the last six months mm -hmm. now it's just like oh, okay you know i i had this mistake over both days of competitions um i can you know i can just come back and, and fine tune in a week two yeah. weeks oh well best of luck with that and um yeah we'll definitely be watching you and um i'm gonna ask you because i got the last two statistics incorrect they're the last two things incorrect <laughs> what was your just to make sure what was your major at stanford did mechanical engineering. Okay, I have um, that right. In my undergrad <laughs> and in my master's, yeah. Okay, I have that right then. Perfect. I didn't <laughs> want to mess that one up three in a row, but uh, no, that's awesome. So, kind of want to you know segue that into um, kind of just like the attributes that Evan kind of told me about you and how um, some of the things that make you great and just it's your ability to focus on the little things and you know your prehab, your rehab, and foam rolling and how you're very critical on yourself. I think those are attributes of people who achieve greatness and people who achieve, you know, things that the average person doesn't. And I kind of want you to just talk about those things and your preparation and um, just throughout your whole gymnastics journey and how that ties into one, your sport and two, being a student athlete at such a prestigious institution and achieving the academic success that you have. Yeah. Um, so I think, like you said, all those, all those little things, um, and that like attention to detail, you know, that's, I feel like that's what is, um, most important at the highest level because to, to kind of get to a, to a good level, you know, you, it's, it's all about the work you put in and, and just putting a lot of hard work, um, which a lot of people can do, but it's, it's that like last 10% of, of work that that's the hardest to do because it's, honestly kind of boring it's not like it's not really fun to to you know work on your rotator cuff strength to to you know possibly prevent a, a shoulder injury um when your shoulders are feeling good but you know that it's it's that 10 percent that will keep you healthy and pushing towards um that you know that final stage of preparation to be at, at like the peak shape uh that you need to be at and uh as far as school, honestly, I school was school was great for me as a, as a distraction because I I can get very very invested in in gymnastics and in anything in particular. I can I can get super hyper focused and kind of go too far too deep into it. Um, but school was a great way for me to to kind of pursue my other passions. Um, and you know, put my efforts into something else, uh, and and not just be totally focused on on the gym side of things. Um, and obviously, also, it's it's a uh, it's a kind of what I need for for the next stage of my life because I just do gymnastics till I'm retired. You know, at sixty five. So uh, yeah, it was it was honestly just like a the perfect mix. I I got the uh, I got to do exactly what I wanted to in school while being able to, um, you know, focus on the gym when, when it, when the time came for it and, and 
push myself to the next level there. In, in regards to those attention to details, um, when did you kind of realize that those little things were going to catapult you up to, you know, where you are now? Was it a slow kind of process to realize that? I think a lot of people kind of realize those things um, really help you a little bit too late or on, on the later end of their career. Was that something that was always kind of instilled in you or was there any specific coaches that kind of, you know, made sure that you were doing them? And, you know, what was the process of that? Because I think that's such an important point that it, it is that that extra 10% that can really make the big difference. And it, it, like you said, it's tedious, it's boring, but yeah, walk us through your process with that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of three parts to it, I'd say. So I grew up in, um, in New Jersey with, with my coach Yuri Aminov at Monmouth Gymnastics. You know, I, I was with him my whole junior career from 2001 to 2013. And uh, he's, you know, he's, he's got that old Soviet style of gymnastics where, there was a lot of attention to detail um, and a lot on that technical side. So, you know, it was a lot of like um, detail in how you do a skill and kind of knowing what your body is doing um, while you're doing skills. And so that, that's kind of where I got that sort of attention to detail on, on, you know, like in the gymnastics um, technical side. Uh, and then when I came to Stanford, I, uh, you know, I, I was, it was a lot more about my, uh, the like even, even more fine tuning, like the execution side. Like I was very good at making skills because of my technical ability, um, you know, through Yuri, but my, uh, my sort of execution. So, so my knees, my knee bend, my toe points, um, you know, my legs staying together, that kind of stuff was a little bit on the wayside. And so I, I got to be able to focus a lot on that during Stanford. Um, you know, the coaches were, they, they already knew I, I was able to do a lot of these skills. And so they told me, you know, go back, you're relearning the skill. You, you are not allowed to do it without any execution error. Your toes have to be pointed, straight knees, everything perfect. Um, so that, that kind of, I felt like I took a step back, but then as I built back, I was able to, you know, kind of jump farther than than I would have been able to before um, just because the look of my gymnastics suddenly got better and then after graduating um, from the college team and even a little bit before like maybe my senior year before I graduated I could kind of feel the effects of of the wear and tear and from gymnastics and just starting to get a little bit older um, my you know my body started hurting and so I had to pay attention to all that stuff too. And, you know, my, my warm up routine ended up becoming, you know, like instead of a 15 minute active warm up, it was the 15 minute active warm up plus, you know, 10 minutes of shoulder therapy plus 10 minutes of back therapy, um, 10 minutes of ankle therapy, almost a full hour just to, to get warmed up and get my body going. So, uh, you know, I'm ready to make the most of a workout. Mm -hmm. And it's a full hour, you said, of just that prehab work before you um, begin a session, correct? Yeah, it, it is from 45 minutes to an hour, depending yeah. on how I feel that day. Yeah, I think that's so important to, I guess, display and, and talk about because a lot of people who are just um, on the outside looking in or spectators or people who even want to be at the level that you are, they don't understand that it does take that long um, yeah. sometimes beforehand. I think people just you know, they always talk about, you know, you only see what's in lights. You never see what's behind, but like, let's talk about what's behind, like what's behind the scenes, what's going on so that people can know and be educated. And 
I think the fact that you spend 45 minutes to an hour, it just shows that that's the kind of work you need to put in in order to achieve the things that you have done and, and to be at the pinnacle of, of your sport. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I wish I'd known this earlier, even when I was a kid and, and started this kind of stuff, you know, if I, if I'd been doing even like five minutes of shoulder therapy every day, since I was 13 or 14, you know, when I started going through puberty and getting a little stronger, um, I, I think my shoulder issues would have been a lot less, um, you know, I would have, I would have built those good habits from beforehand and, and built the sort of right um, motions that I, that I want my body to go through rather than grinding through it. When I was, you know, when I was a kid, it was, it was fine. But the, like I said, the wear and tear kind of takes its toll. And, um, you know, I, I've been, I've been fortunate that, that my longevity in the sport has been great. I haven't had any huge injuries, um, but just, just those small nagging injuries make a big difference too. You know, it's not just the, uh, torn Achilles that, that screw you over. It's also the, the shoulder pain that hurts you every time you do, you know, the most basic of skills. Um, and so that's, that's definitely something that I try to bring to any junior gymnast I see, or I train with, um, just that, that warm up really does make a huge difference and it pays its dividends down, down the line. And it's, it's hard for, you know, when you're older, you have this perspective of it and it's hard for the younger kids to understand because (laughs) they can, they can go hours and feel just fine. And the next day they're fine. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, those little things that I think are just, like you said, so important Um, kind of shifting gears a bit, obviously, as you know, there's a podcast, you know, regarding athletes and mental health. And um, do you just, do you feel comfortable talking about some of the things that you've struggled with in the past or currently struggle with um, in regards to that? Yeah. So, uh, so I talked about it before about, you know, my execution is not great. And when I came to Stanford, you know, I had to kind of relearn a lot of things with the proper knee straightening and toe pointing. And so um, one of the things that, that I, I'm, I'm just kind of natu- naturally not very good at that stuff. My knees are kind of naturally a little knobby. My toes don't point that great. Um, and it's something I've, you know, I've been working on and I'm, I'm making a lot of improvements on, but it always, it always just kind of puts this doubt in my head. Like, am I actually that good? Um, you know, my, my look, like I, it, it kind of gives me that sense that like my look in my gymnastics, isn't that great, even though, you know, I've, I feel like I've proven myself over and over again, but uh, it's all, there's always that like little nag in my head that tells me like, Oh, maybe, maybe you're not good enough. Um, just because your, your knees aren't straight enough. Oh, your toes aren't pointed enough. But, um, you know, I, I try to, I try to kind of take all that and, and, and tell myself like, no, I've been putting in the work and I, I've, I've been watching my gymnastics. I've been doing all that I need to do to, to fix that. And the changes are happening. Um, I just, I'm just not seeing it every day. And, uh, you know, it's the last like five years, it hasn't really been like the the change that I wanted to see, but then this year it started really showing up and a lot of the coaches and the commentators at the competition, you know, they were all saying, Hey, you know, we noticed the work that you've put in, um, and it's, it's looking a lot better. And so, um, you know, it was, it was more that, that like 
negativity that I felt towards myself um, that I, I just kind of told myself, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, don't take the negativity, just work towards making it positive. Um, and that, so that was, that was, I feel like that's kind of one of the biggest mental health issues I've had. Um, just, just kind of getting rid of that negative self, uh, like, uh, image. Um, so I've, I've been, I've been pretty happy with that. Did you find that it was debilitating in any way in regards to your, um, just your day-to-day life or your athletic performance? Did you find that those thoughts of worry, they just wouldn't be able to, cause you know, for, uh, for all athletes, our sport is our escapism. Did you find that it kind of led into that and it was affecting your performance in ways? Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. I've, I've been frustrated in the gym so many times because I do a skill or a half routine or a full routine. And I think, wow, like that was great. But my coaches are telling me, no, you had, you had a little, you know, form error there. You, you bent your knees a little there, you flex your toes a little there. And, and you know, it, it, it frustrated me so much. Cause I was like, man, I've been working on this and it's still not showing up. Um, and, you know, sometimes I would let it get to me and I'd, I'd just say like, that's it. I, you know, I give up. I can't do it. I can't do this skill properly. You know, I'm just, I'm just bad at this skill. Um, and my, you know, I, my coaches would always say like, you can say that, but you're, if, if you're, if you're okay with being bad at the skill, then that's fine. You know, you'll, you'll just be at this level forever. You have to not be okay with that. And you've got to be able to push yourself um, to, to, you know, do make those changes, even though it's, you know, it's very hard for you. And so I'd always just kind of stay down and, you know, not, not be happy about it, but, but I'd still like continue putting in that, that extra work to straighten out my knees, point my toes. And, uh, you know, like I said, I feel like it's, it's made the difference years down the line, but it has now made the difference when, when I need it to count. How did you feel that you were able to overcome that doubt? Was it strictly just consistently pursuing, you know, the small technical things and working at that over time? Or was, you know, was there a specific coach that would always talk to you? Was there a sports psychologist involved? Like, you know, was it simply just how you've explained it just now? Or was there other components involved that really helped you kind of get out of that framework and really get through that threshold? I think, I think one of the biggest things for me was just, writing things down. Like I had a list of, of exercises and stretches, you know, to, to help me fix my, my issues and just being like a very, very non-emotional about that and being like, Hey, these are the things that I know will help me to, to fix the issue I have. I, no matter what I feel, you know, no matter if I, if I feel like it's not working and, and I'm, I'm never going to be able to, to, to figure it out. I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep doing this. You know, I, I have to trust in the program. I have to trust the training and I'm, I'm just going to put my head down and, and keep doing it. You know, yeah. even, even days when I was like, I, I give up, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do this skill properly. I just go back do those small technical things and, and those exercises, the things that I had written down and move on. I like that a lot. We've had a, a few guests come on, talk about lists and, um, how that has helped with, with their mental health and kind of taking some of the things that worry them, their anxieties and write them on paper. And you can kind of see them tangibly. I think 
from an athletic standpoint, we, we see these things that we lack and, you know, tell me your experience on this. We see these things that we lack or we need to work on. We see it as like this great big problem. We don't know how to exactly pinpoint it. And I think that's great that you had this list because it takes this problem that we can't really see kind of, you know what I mean? You can only really see it on video. You don't really notice when you're doing it in the act and you finally put it on paper. Like, okay, this is what I need to work on. And the biggest thing you said too is taking emotion out of it. Yeah. I think we think a lot of athletes, because we invest everything we have, especially the higher levels you get, you get so emotional about it because you care so much. You have to take it out of the picture. And I don't think we ever talked about that, but that was such a great point that, um, that you mentioned that taking the emotion out of it and just consistently working at it and trusting in the process. And like you said, trusting the program and just keep hitting it every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on that note, um, something that, that I got from my coach here at Stanford was uh, to journal through my experiences. Um, and so that's something that I feel like really actually helped me in this past uh, national championships last week. So I, I was part of the uh, 2019, the 2018 and 2019 uh, world championships team. And so in 2018, you know, it was my first worlds. I, uh, I had a little bit of an unfortunate ankle sprain about two weeks before the meet. So I was kind of worried about that. Um, you know, some things in training were a little off. And so I went into the meet kind of with this doubt, um, like kind of doubt in my, myself, my ability, my preparation, and, you know, while, while I did well on some things and in the team final, I actually ended up doing pretty well. Uh, you know, I really let myself down on, on two of the events that were kind of my strongest events. Um, and so I wrote that down, you know, I wrote down what I felt, uh, why I felt it, why I thought I felt it. Um, and you know, what just, just, just kind of journaling my whole experience. And then I went into the, the 2019 worlds and, you know, looking through to, I, I, like when I was preparing for it, I was looking through 2018 worlds, like my, my journaling and I was like, okay, you know, I, I didn't have that preparation and I didn't, I didn't prepare like I wanted to. So I'm going to go back. Um, I'm going to prepare exactly like I want to, you know, put in all the numbers that I, that I think I need and, you know, once I go to the competition, I will be ready. And so I did exactly that. I went to the meet and it was one of the least nerve wracking meets of my life because when I, when I saluted for routine, I knew I was going to hit that routine and it was going to be great because I had put in the work, you know, I didn't have those nerves. It was more nerves of excitement to, to show off what I had prepared. And so again, going into this, uh, U.S. Championships, you know, I, I hadn't competed at a big meet in 15 months. So I was, again, kind of doubting myself, like, you know, am I ready? Uh, you know, I, I have like, have I, have I done everything I could? And so I was, I was able to look back at 2019 and look at the, the stuff that I journaled and kind of brought that same mindset into my preparation and into the, into the competition. And I mean, it paid off. I, I feel like I was confident and I showed off what I was capable of do, doing. Yeah. You, you mentioned a lot of really great things. And um, I think you're at the top of your game and you still have doubt. And it just goes to show that those thoughts can still creep in at any point. And I think um, one thing we've talked about with a lot of uh, other guests is that we always think that the next goal is going to satisfy 
that hunger and satisfy that feeling of unsatisfaction. Um, and here you are and you're saying, I still have doubt too. It's like, it never goes away. But I think the tactics that you use to go about it also reiterate that a lot of athletes um, can resonate with. And that's, there's so much work that goes away from the mat, the court, the ice, the field, whatever it is that directly translate to performance and success in whatever it is you're doing, like the journaling and then going back and reflecting, you know, these are things that you're not doing pertaining to your actual sport. Yeah. They, to some degree, like, yeah, you're doing reflecting on your sport, but you're not actually practicing your sport, you know, but, but they have profound effects in the future. Yeah. I think that's, that's like huge. And it just goes to show how big the mental side and how big the little things away from the sport can directly translate. I think we, cause you can talk about this more is that we focus on the physical so much, but if you don't have the mental side, then the physical is nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to, to say like, or to, to do the work, you know, you just have to go in and, and do the physical work, whatever is listed in your, in your workout for that day, for that month, you know, for the year, you just, you just go in day in and day out and, and push, um, to your limit there, but it's, you know, it's, it's never about practice at the competition. You know, when you, when you go and compete, you have to compete and, you know, that's, that's like, you get that one shot and that's it. And a lot of it is, is mental because so many people have done the preparation, but if you're not able to show what you've prepared and, and, you know, be ready for the, the big stage, in that, in, and be in that mental state, it's, you know, it's the practice isn't gonna, isn't gonna really help you. So it's, it's obviously you want to be physically prepared, but that mental preparation may, you know, takes a big uh, precedent too over, over the physical preparation. And I think the, the two can kind of actually go together even um, to where in my practices, I, I kind of put myself back in to the mental state that I, that I was at a competition. Like I'll, I'll think back to um, the last Olympic trials I was at and what the arena felt like, what the crowd felt like. I'll kind of close my eyes before I, I salute a routine in practice and, and, you know, put myself in that uh, time frame and that, that mental frame and, try to do my routine like that, you know, get my heart rate up. Like I felt like it was back then um, and kind of up the stakes in practice so that when I get to the meet, um, I've already mentally prepared for what it's going to be like. And it's no different than practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a, uh, a key point and important thing that you just said is, and that's a form of visualization you'd say, correct? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent is, is there any other sort of visualization that you do? So yeah, two part, any other sort of visualization that you do um, regarding, you know, your sport and where did you learn these sort of things? Because I don't, I think we talk about these things a lot, you know, growing up, all athletes are kind of told just, you know, people come in and talk all the time, but this is very specific stuff that you do. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's very impactful and can really, um, show effects in your performance. And I think it's great that you're saying all these things, but where did you learn this? Like, was it just trial and error from you? Were there specific coaches that told you this specifically? Cause I don't know. Do you know, you feel like 
this is all taught to you, but it's all so vague and you're giving these specific things and like putting yourself in, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's yeah, great, yeah. great stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I actually did get it from my, uh, my coach here at Stanford. Okay. Um, we also, he, he makes sure before the day before a competition, you know, we're out in the uh, arena practicing and he, at end of practice, he always says, you need to go to every single event, visualize your routine and, you know, put yourself there. Like you're, you're going to be competing tomorrow and go through the routine in your head and do it like it's the best routine you've ever done. Um, and I, I'm, I really like that. That's something that I didn't do as a younger gymnast that I think makes a pretty good difference, uh, as, as my routines get harder and I'm, you know, I'm doing stuff that, that I just wouldn't do when I was a kid because I was too scared to do it in competition. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the stuff in practice though, I feel like I've, I've always had a pretty good grasp on how to like transition from practice to competition um, in terms of that mental preparedness. And I, I did kind of do that as a kid where, you know, when I, when it was the week before our junior nationals, I would, you know, I'd put on the uniform in practice and, you know, try to time the whole practice like it would be at competition. So I would, you know, in, in the competition, you get 12 minutes to, to prepare for each event. So I would go through in my practice, prepare 12 minutes on each event, and then compete each event afterwards with a 15-minute break in between, just like competition, you know, just simulated in practice, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. And then um, I want to talk about your emotions going into these um, competitions. I mean, we're talking about Olympic trials, it's very um, it's high-end, high-end stuff, like it's the top of the world, you know, like. Talk about your emotions going into a week prior to the competition and um, how you stay, you know, even keel, not too high, not too low. I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, Easier said than done. How do you go about doing that when it comes to this sort of stuff? (laughs) Um, One of of the big things I keep telling myself is just trust that you've put in the work and that you deserve, you know, to, to go out there and, kill it like you've been doing in practice um you know if if i feel like i've prepared enough and i'm ready for the meet then there's no reason why i shouldn't um you know do the meet exactly how i want it to be and uh that doesn't mean that i'm not nervous i'm still very very nervous i think pretty much everyone is you know when when you're at this level people people think like oh he's he's been through it enough or you know, something like that. And, and he's, he's not even nervous anymore. It's, it's just another competition. But if, if you do feel like have passion for the sport and passion for what you do, you're going to be nervous because you, you want to do what's, you want to show that, that you're the best you can be. Um, but I, I try to channel those nerves and that, that extra like, uh, nervous energy into, um, some more like perfection work. So when I'm doing a routine and I'm, I'm, I'm competing at a competition, I'll, I'll focus more on using that extra like nervous energy to, to squeeze my legs together. Or, you know, I have my cues on certain skills. It's like, oh, I need to extend more before I do this one skill on pommel horse. So I'll, 
I'll use that extra energy I have from, from my nerves to, to hit those cues and not focus on the other things. So I, I have certain things to focus on in my routine. So I'm not focused on, you know, not falling or, or not screwing up. Jeez. That's uh, yeah, that's unreal. I didn't, I always just would try and puke. Like I'd get so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like, you know what I mean? But that just goes to show like what, you know, you find solutions for these things um, and how to put them into your training. And that's why you are where you are. Um, again, that's, yeah. another, that's another thing about those details you, you find, okay, this is a problem or this is something that's bothering me. How can I turn this into a, a solution that's going to help me? Exactly. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's where a lot of people like see all these things as negatives, but it can be a positive. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think that's why, um, I think that's why it's important to talk about these things and be able to kind of reshift your, your perspective on it. I think that's huge that you just said that, that you know, take these things that bother you and perceived as negative and find ways to use them to your advantage. And that's what you've done. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, yeah. I won't take up too much of your time. Just a couple, couple more questions here. What was some, what is something that you would tell somebody who maybe um, a young gymnast coming up or someone who has that feeling of doubt, essentially something that you would have wanted to know your younger self or yeah. Um, I think one of the, one of the biggest things is that you always want to be trending upwards. You know, you, you're obviously going to have bad days in the gym and that's okay. It, it's, and it's, it's even okay to be frustrated and mad about those bad days, but it's not okay to let those bad days kind of compound and, and let you, you know, roll down a bad hill and, and, and just, get into a, a bad state of like mental state. Um, so it's, it's a lot of, you know, taking those bad days that you feel are bad and maybe at the end of practice, you, you sit down, take things back a step, do something very basic that you think would, you know, you you think you're, you're not at the top of your level at and focus on improving that for, for just 10 minutes, you know, make, make, some improvement somewhere so you can go walk away from a practice saying I did get better today and you know if you keep getting better every single day I've I've probably had you know like five or six thousand days in the gym um and if every single day I got better at something I I think you know I I would be at the top of of the world and you know that's something I wish that I'd done at, at as a kid um, I let a lot of those days kind of slip by and, uh, I really wish I hadn't, I wish I'd, you know, put in that extra little bit of effort to, to make something good out of a bad day. Yeah. No, it's, I think everyone has that, um, that same thought, but, um, obviously can't beat yourself up, beat yourself up over it. And, um, I think everything that you've been saying has been super impressive and, um, stuff that a lot of people are going to be able to take away and implement into their, into their athletic lives and even just their regular lives. I think um, a lot of the stuff you said is very applicable to just everyday things that, um, you know, we face throughout life. Um, and final question, I uh, want you to talk to me about Taco Bell. I hear, you have, uh, I, hear, I hear you have a bit of an obsession with Taco Bell, potentially a sponsorship. We'll see. <laughs> I wish I've been shouting out Taco Bell every single year at the national championships <laughs> since 2017 and they're still not sponsoring me. 
Uh, we gotta <laughs> do yeah, something about that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an obsession for sure. <laughs> I I spend a ridiculous amount of money at Taco Bell. I eat way too much Taco Bell for an elite athlete, <laughs> but it's just too good. I can't stop. <laughs> How did that start? What's the backstory behind this? Oh, I. And I your favorite, your favorite meal, your favorite meal too. Of course, of course, I'll let you. Know. <laughs> but uh, I have a firm belief that just about every Indian person likes Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's just in our blood. We all like Taco Bell, and. I just got a little bit extra of that blood. I, I love Taco <laughs> Bell. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I could not tell you when I started loving Taco Bell. I've been loving it since I was a baby. <laughs> and uh, I, my favorite meal is pretty hard, pretty, pretty hard. But the Mexican pizza is very high up there. The crunch wrap is very high up there cheesy gordita crunch very high up there but if, if i had to choose i'd probably say the crunch wrap is just the overall best you know food item there it's it's versatile it's big you get a lot for your money um easy to eat it's it's just awesome i love the versatility <laughs> of it i, I do agree <laughs> exactly right it, it's just no like it a, is like a little it's pocket a... you can just like pull up and eat <laughs> uh-huh. no it's unreal but that's awesome uh yeah we'll have to we'll tax uh taco bell on this and uh make sure Sweet. we work on getting you that sponsorship it's huge please uh, yeah how many times a week you eat in taco bell is it a few times a week or is it, is it taper off now with uh with yeah, it, yeah it tapers off before a competition but uh, at its peak it gets to like three times a week all right. All right. I still try to stick to like once every week or two weeks yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. I'm in like peak shape, you know? Uh-huh. Um, no, that's <laughs> awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's um, all I have for you. And if you have any, you know, kind of last thoughts you want to get out there, please feel free. But um, yeah, I just really appreciate you coming on and taking the time. I know you're super busy and have a lot going on and a lot of very exciting stuff going on. So um, I wish you the best of luck and we'll be following you along. And yeah, thank you again for, sharing your story and like you said like i said there's gonna be a lot of great content that a lot of people can take away from this so people are gonna find this very beneficial i know i'm gonna you know take a look take away a lot of stuff from this and start implementing it in my day-to-day lives and kind of <laughs> rethink how i uh how i operate here so but, <laughs> but great uh yeah thank you again appreciate it yeah for sure thanks so much for having me on yeah i, I really enjoyed this awesome. and i think thanks. this is some pretty important stuff to talk about um you know i i feel like this was not really a thing back when I was growing up, you know, the, the focus on mental health and those, those little smaller things that, that do make a big difference um, in not just elite athletes, but I think ever, you know, all people. hundred percent. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that, like I said, the point of this is just, just making it normal. Like it's not everybody deals with this stuff in a debilitating way on a, every mm-hmm. single day basis but there's gonna be times where things pop up and you just kind of feel not so great for a period of time or a couple of days and that's completely normal you know it's just it's part of life and that's kind of uh what the goal of this is and i think like you said everyone goes through it and the more it's casually talked about the more we kind of realize that yeah it's not really that big of a deal it's a big deal when you allow it to be and and you don't you know check up on it and pay attention to it so. yeah for sure but um, no, again, thank you so much and best of luck with everything. Yeah, thank you. So how are you